Welcome to the World Nomads podcast, delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous, independent traveler. Uh, near Cuenca, if you drive from Cuenca to uh, Guayaquil, you have El Cajas. It's a national park, and it's actually one big lake, and there's moss on top of it. You can walk on it, what? and you walk through this forest, and it's like a whole fairy tale that came alive. And they make, you make beautiful hiking. That's Nicole from Colourful Ecuador Travels, which obviously Phil gives away the destination for this episode. It is Ecuador. Uh, in uh, northwestern South America, bordered by Colombia on the north, Peru in the east and south, and the Pacific Ocean to the west. And, of course, it also includes the fabulous Galapagos Islands. Well, in this episode, we will discover, as Nicole suggested there, it's a sensational destination for hiking, and we'll speak to Cam, the author of the hidden tracks about hiking there and other places around the world. And speaking of the Galapagos, Nicole gives us a behind-the-scenes insight to the islands beyond turtles, and I found that fascinating. You yeah. grabbed this interview when you were overseas. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, it was really behind-the-scenes stuff. A couple share their time in Ecuador, which included a week in the mountains and time on an organic farm plus heaps more in this episode but your quiz question to get us underway ecuador what is special about the name of the country find out at the end of the episode uh look i was recently at the wistic conference in edinburgh where i caught up with our first guest nicole and asked her what it is she loves most about ecuador it's the people like the, the people are really like it's it's they're very genuine but also like how the culture is built it's very much based on on sharing on having time for persons uh, um if, if somebody has one dollar they will buy a beer and they will share it together like it's not it's not about a, a very selfish culture it's just yeah just about life and then, like for me that is what makes me happy in life of being able to have the time to share of but not being busy now with what I'm actually going to be doing tomorrow in a couple of hours so also to have this this thing that you can basically do what you want to do at that moment so for example when we have a busy day in the office and we say oh, it's, Let's just go out the whole office for karaoke. Everybody can. Like, even if we say it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, like a few phone calls are made to parents and grandparents and uh, boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives, and at 5 o'clock we're all singing karaoke. Like, so that's the, that's a bit of how the spirit is. Like, it's basically of living there. It's not the most efficient culture in the world, and we might, like, if we would be working in Europe, we would do it with a lot less people, but we have fun. Like, there's, there's, there's a genuine, like, happy vibe always everywhere. Uh, and so how is it one of those countries where the majority of people live in the capital or is it spread out or it's quite spread out like the the capital is, is Quito so that has about uh, two million people so Guayaquil is the biggest city of Ecuador it's the one of the most well the, the product, most productive city it's based on uh, the coastal area so there it has about two and a half million people so those are like the, the two main areas where people live in total we have 13 million people living within Ecuador a lot of more of Ecuadorians living outside of Ecuador uh, but after Quito and Guayaquil like the biggest city is Cuenca and that's about 500,000 so it goes down I heard you speaking, uh, we're here at Wistic, I heard you speaking the other day about there are, what, four or five regions of the country. Just take us yeah. through those. So we, yeah, we, we divide the country a bit in, in four regions. We have the, the Sierra, we call it. It's the Andean region, so it's everything to do with the mountains. We have a whole Andean spine going through the whole of Ecuador, uh, basically from the border of Colombia to the border of uh, of Peru. So that we call it the, the Andes. So there's, there's beautiful snow-capped volcanoes, villages, uh, there's a lot of indigenous 
indigenous people living there as well. We have colorful markets, but also the capitals and the colonial centers. Uh, we have the Amazonia, so that's a jungle area. It's the whole Amazon basin. Uh, we don't actually touch uh, the Amazon. That's one of our biggest frustrations. Like they, they say that the Peruvians took it away, so that's a bit like a, <laughs> a bit of neighbor resentment in that part. Uh, but it's the whole Amazonian basin, so that's everything that we call the jungle area. We have the coastal plains, so that's the part mostly going up to the coast, so that's the whole Pacific coast. And then Galapagos is a separate region for us as well. So those are the four ones, like the Amazon. Let's Sierra, start with the coast. big one, the Galapagos. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, is it heavily protected? It's heavily protected in a way that it's, it's not easy to move there. Like it's part of Ecuador, but it's considered a complete, like we have a special regimen that, that goes there. So there's there are special laws for the part of the Galapagos. There are special labor laws as well as also in how, that you, how much you pay people. For example, salaries in Galapagos are 75% higher than the mainland. That's by law. So the minimum wage in Ecuador at the moment is 385. And in Galapagos, it's 575. So that's, that's already a difference. Uh, and you have to be Galapagueño to be able to live there. Becoming Galapagueño, you can be born there or you can marry into it. That's the only way basically you can get it. And then as uh, an Ecuadorian or as any other foreigner that has like a valid working visa, you're able to go and work there if you are allowed to by the, the government. So that means basically as a Galapagos company, you can apply for it. You can say, okay, I've looked between all the Galapagueños that live there and there's none that fit my description. Uh, I need, uh, for example, a marine biologist with so many years of experience in researching turtles. I have this person and then they tell you how much time they are authorized to do it. It's normally maximum a year and you can extend it up until five times. So that's like the maximum. So that's that's one of the, the ways that they're trying to protect it because in the past, especially with the tourism industry uh, growing a little bit, there were people moving there and then starting to work, uh, especially as waiters and receptionists because also the guiding part is heavily protected. Like you can only become a Galapagos National Park guide if you are a Galapagano. So that takes the level of the guide sometimes down quite a bit. Uh, to have, so a lot of, for example, the, like companies that want to have like a really good nature experience they send both a biologist and a galapagos national park guide to do with the park with regulations uh and what about just uh as a visitor though if you um... as the visitor you're allowed to come for 60 days a year that's the the maximum you can stay there so they are they they, they put in some new laws that were put into place in may and they're actually going to be effective in uh, in november so that changes the whole rules on plastic uh there's no plastic straws allowed there's no plastic uh if you want uh, no plastic containers so if you're going on a boat excursion you will get all like just normal plates and everything there's nothing that can be thrown away um and no plastic bags so you're not even allowed to bring your shoes in a plastic bag like nothing that is plastic that can only be used once so that is the biggest change in, in the law that's going to be effective on the 1st of uh, November and one of the other things that you cannot go without an itinerary so you already have to have a plan uh, and that you're staying in the legally approved hotels because yeah other forms of, of accommodation also took a flight of people just staying like in people's houses and that is not the idea like the idea is that the National Park also regulates all the hotels that are approved to be in the Galapagos National Park in the residential areas basically because only three percent of the Galapagos National Park is actually allowed to be lived at uh, which are the like the four towns that we actually have and the, a couple of the highland parts where there's some farming allowed and that is that is controlled how to do their waste management how to do their water management so also to like to keep everything at low control they have now installed that like you cannot travel there and just see what kind of hotel you're going to book when you're arriving 
what's your favorite part outside of the Galapagos? Actually, for me, there are places above the Galapagos uh, within Ecuador. Um, there's parts called, uh, there's parts we call the Paramo, which is above the three and a half thousand meters. They have like a most amazing landscapes. So if you drive, for example, from Quito to Tena, Tena is one of like the easy accessible jungle towns. You go from 2,800 meters up to four and a half thousand more or less by the road. And that's, the, it just gives amazing landscapes with, uh, we call it paja. So it's like grass and with, uh, lakes everywhere and then you go all the way down to the jungle so like the nice thing around ecuador is just like sit in the public bus or go and drive with somebody in a car and just look out the window because it changes every five minutes you have a different different view and so like the paramo would be one of it you have uh, near cuenca if you drive from cuenca to uh, guayaquil you have el cajas it's a national park and it's actually one big lake and there's uh, moss on top of it so it's you can walk on it. What? It's, it's there. There's, there's meters wide moss. So you you walk on top of it and you walk through this forest and it's like a whole fairy tale that came alive. They're beautiful, beautiful yeah lakes and little trees and you can see well the the rabbit, the foxes, different things around it and they make you make beautiful hiking there. Wow! So that is really really great. Uh, there's some areas where you have just waterfall after waterfall. There's also yeah just parts where you have very like turning windling roads so every time you look like there's like another another turn in the road and you see like another five waterfalls coming down so those are beautiful and of course like the the the, the whales like every every summer i do i do try to go because it's just one of the things that you're like you're this i was there a couple of weeks ago and just from the beach you could see the whales jump so and they're so big like it's always an amazing thing it doesn't matter how many times you've seen them like this whole bus size animal coming out of the out of the ocean it's, yeah it's wonderful tell us what it is you do what your company does there how people can get in contact with you Okay, uh, well, I work for Colorful Ecuador Travels. Uh, we're a company that's, uh, it's inbound tourism, so we try, we organize everything around Ecuador and the Galapagos. If you want to go anywhere else, we'll refer you to other people because we, we really love what we do. So as a company, we really believe in, yeah, in what the country has to offer. So we organize the trips, we put together and connect uh, both providers with, with the clients in general. And we've started also like operating different parts of hotels. So we have uh, Casa Liso, it's a small boutique hotel in, in Quito. We work with, together with NDC Science, an educational hotel, or it's an educational center actually, uh, and the hotel supports the whole part of, uh, of the center in Guamote, uh, which is about four hours from Quito. We have Mabusa Galapagos, so we do Galapagos Island hopping in a different way, also connecting the local providers so that there's people, like the, the real situations that there are people living on the Galapagos Island. So it's also nice to support the local businesses, which is a way that you do with, with the part of the island hopping. Uh, and we also do volunteer work and, uh, and have a Spanish school in Quito. If anybody's going to Ecuador, get onto it. Thanks so much for talking. It's great. <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah, links in show notes. And Nicole painted a beautiful picture of Ecuador. So let's start to pick it apart. We'll kick it off with Cam. He's written a couple of books, including The Hidden Tracks. And as of 2018, he's hiked more than 60,000 miles or 96 1,561 Ks in some 56 countries and six continents. Cam, how are you going? Are your feet sore? <laughs> I feel a bit weary just hearing that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you've tired me out. That's, that's a hell of a lot of trekking. So can you expand on hiking in Ecuador? Okay, well, it's been about 
I spent about five or six weeks in Ecuador back in 2004, so it's been a while. But the two things that really stand out for me in regards to Ecuador are the volcanoes and a national park by the name of Cajas. That's spelled C-A-J-A-S. And uh, in regards to the volcanoes, Ecuador, it's a pretty small country. Uh, I think it's uh, a little bit bigger than Victoria. In area-wise, but um, I've got to say though, mate, like most of our audience in America, so I'll check it out. But it's got to be about the size of Rhode Island, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, a little bit bigger than Rhode Island, but, uh, <laughs> but I think there's like about 50 volcanoes, and um, a bunch of them are active, and and probably the the most, well, definitely the most famous one, and maybe the most beautiful is one called Cotopaxi. It's about Okay, seeing most of your audience are in the States, it's almost 20,000 feet high, <laughs> you know, 5,800 metres, give yep. or take. And uh, it's got that beautiful symmetrical shape. And there's a hike you can do around the base of it, like uh, you can circumnavigate the volcano. It's about 80 kilometres long, takes anywhere between four and six days. And, yeah, it's just a, an absolutely gorgeous hike. And um, the whole time you just get this series of views of the volcano and um, – I think it's also one of the most active volcanoes in the world. It, it's, it's erupted more than like 50 times over the last few centuries, but maybe not in the last 100 years, so it's probably due. So. Cam, it'd be a very quick five to six days then if if you're trekking the base of a, an active volcano. Yeah, you, you definitely have your skates on for a lot of it. I mean, if you see all these puffs come out of it, you'd probably go a little bit quicker. So. <laughs> It's pretty cool. Like you go through all these dense forests and high grasslands and broad valleys. You go over these lava flows, and um, yeah, it's just a gorgeous volcano. Very like, very much like Mount uh, Mount Fuji in Japan or, or Mount Taranaki in New Zealand. And um, yeah, it's a, a stunning hike. And the other place I think about uh, in Ecuador when it comes to hiking is, is the national park I referenced before, Cajas, which is just actually just up the road from this beautiful old colonial town by the name of Cuenca. And uh, Cuenca's the Panama hat capital of the world. <laughs> it's a really lovely little town. And um, Cajas is this national park, oh, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes drive from there. And it's it's got over a couple of hundred lakes and glacial valleys and rocky peaks and cloud forests and Really not. It's it's off the radar. Uh, not a lot of people go hiking there, and uh, it's really wet as well. Think Scotland, but you know, without the pubs and the bothies. Uh, ah. Yeah, it's, it's it's an incredible country. It packs in a lot of stuff in, in a, a relatively small amount of space. So the the book, the hidden tracks, uh, which I'm guessing is your latest book, um, it's great. But, which sounds so patronising, doesn't it? It's great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the Kim seal of approval. Yeah, you, you don't get to really say it's crappy when you have me on for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it because it's it's super I- inspirational. And there are lots of other things about the layout of the book that I really like too. But it kicks off with this concept of stranger to guest to family. What do you mean by that? That's something I came up with uh probably about 25, I'm showing my age a bit here, but probably about 25 years ago on a trip to the South Island in New Zealand. And it, it's basically what I call a, a natural progression, which is which is something which I guess is a transformation that can take place when people spend a lot of time out in nature. You know, I mean, when, when a lot of folks first head out in the woods, particularly if they haven't grown up in the country, you know, they might feel a little bit like a fish out of water, you know, a stranger in a strange land and, you know, the odd sounds at night, you know, they're not really used to or too hot or too cold or too muddy or too wet 
And, um, and you know, sometimes for, for, for some people, you know, the first time might prove to be the last. But uh, I think for those that persevere, and, and this is the key, like in so doing, really learn to accept Mother Nature on its own terms, um, a, a transformation, this natural progression can take place. And slowly but surely, you become accustomed to those sort of conditions that, that hitherto had been the catalyst of, you know, worries and fears. And, and as the experiences accumulate, the worries begin to fade and instead of a stranger, you just start to feel like a guest, you know, a guest when you're out in the wilderness, a welcome guest. And um, and then in the third stage, the, the guest to family. I like it. Phil, you love that yeah, kind of stuff, don't stuff. you? Uh, so what was your motivation then for, for getting off the beaten track? And obviously it's 60,000 miles. You're a pretty, pretty keen hiker. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, well, I think, you know, all the biggies like freedom, and, you know, the, the challenge of it, connection with nature. But I think for a, a lot of it for me has always come down to just simplicity. I think um, I think I realized at a fairly young age that I was at my happiest when my life was at its most simple. And, um, and I was at my most miserable when everything was complicated. So, And I think spending time out in the woods, you know, when everything, you've got everything you need in the world on your back, it really hits home that you don't need a lot of stuff to be happy. And uh, and I think that's always been a huge motivation for me for heading out into the wilderness. So what have been some of the challenges then? You've, you've painted a pretty romantic picture, but, you know, this this concept of stranger to guest to family, as we know with families, it can often be a rocky road. All right, I'll give you the flip side. I'll give you the flip side. <laughs> Back in the mid nineties, there was one time I was attacked by a rabid dog when I was hiking in these, uh, this oasis in Egypt. Um, like actually, these sand dunes just outside this oasis by the name of Siwa. There's been other times, like um, this region in the north of Mexico called the Copper Canyon area. It's an incredible region. It's like four times bigger than the Grand Canyon. And I've done about five trips there over the last two decades. But the very first trip. Actually, it was the first bus ride I ever took when I first came to Mexico. Um, it was robbed by these masked bandits, like at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. I had a gun held to my head. <laughs> um, Phil loves these kind of stories. This is great. <laughs> yeah. What do you get to do then in terms of treks? Yeah, what, 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 have you, what do you want to do? Oh, there's still a few places out there. I've never been to Kyrgyzstan. I've always fancied going to Kyrgyzstan and um, actually the Kimberleys in Australia. It's a, I've been to Western Australia, but I've never been up to the Kimberleys. So I'd like to spend a bit of time up there. And um, it's parts of Ethiopia, the Rift Valley area um, in Africa that I'd love to get to. Oh, look, I, th- I think it's one of those things where irrespective of how much hiking you've done or how many places you've been, there's, there's always something else to do, you know, and, and there's always other places to explore and yeah, I mean, it's been something I've done pretty much my whole my whole life and something I, I plan to continue to do or I hope I continue to do for the next 60 years or so. Well, listen, it's been fabulous talking to you and I guess it'd be great to finish on a piece of a single piece of advice for anyone that's thinking about doing a, a long-haul trek. The big thing is really preparation, you know, just doing as much research as you can and getting as fit as possible. And, and also, I think... Traveling lightly, traveling as lightly as you possibly can because, I mean, it's tough to enjoy a long hike when you're carrying the kitchen sink on your back, you know. Yeah. And and you see, um, that's a huge thing I always, when I do talks and conferences, I'm, I'm, I'm often going on about traveling as lightly as possible and, um, and emphasizing 
you know, necessities rather than superfluous luxuries because it all adds up. And, um, and a lot of it gets back to that whole idea of simplicity, you know, just not needing as much stuff. I think they're actually bamboo um- underpants you can buy for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to take them off for a week. <laughs> bamboo fibre, I hope, and not just, you know, no, yeah. strapped together from pieces of bamboo. <laughs> hey, I, I let my fingers do the walking while we're having a chat there. Ecuador is on, only very slightly smaller than Colorado. Beautiful. We've got the, the US reference in there. Cam, thanks so much. We'll have links to um, not only your books but also your Instagram and a couple of other things in our show notes. Yeah, great talking to you, Cam. Just one last thing in regards to the undies. Um, yeah? Yeah, look, I know the bamboo probably sounds nice, but really you've got to go commando. <laughs> <laughs> that's even better, yes. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> Links to where you can pick up the hidden tracks and more on Cam in show notes. Now, Katie and Ben Phil are otherwise known as two wandering souls, and they have been to a number of destinations, including Ecuador, which they say was unforgettable. We've got the guys on Skype now. Hey, Katie, Ben, two wandering souls. Hi. So what was so unforgettable about Ecuador? Oh, gosh. I think there's many things that we could say were unforgettable, but um, the things that kind of stick out about our trip to Ecuador were um, being able to experience and explore the nature and wildlife and do a lot of adventure activities. So that's kind of what sticks out. We also just had um, an amazing experience meeting other travelers and having um, a few local connections as well. Yeah, like what? So what were some of the adventure activities you got You got yourselves into? Yeah, we did quite a bit. Um, like we went cannoneering, we went mountain biking, we went planting, which is like a swing jump. Kind of like bungee jumping without the bounce back. <laughs> Point, it's fr- fr- Kim's looking very perplexed. Pointing uh, from a bridge. Yeah. So you jump off that and so you end up sort of swinging underneath a bridge like a pendulum. Right. Yep. So you're after the adrenaline rush there, yep. guys. <laughs> yeah, we got quite a few adrenaline rushes in Ecuador. We also went um, snorkeling in the Galapagos where we saw sharks and penguins and sea turtles. Manta rays. Manta rays, yeah. yeah. So we had quite the adventurous experience in Ecuador. Phil, I'm going to stop here and ask you. Yes. With these chats that we've done about Ecuador, yes, is this the kind of country you thought it was? No, not at all. No, I mean I was amazed to find out about the waterfalls and the beautiful forests and and what have you. And now we're finding out about all the adrenaline activities as well. And for you know a relatively small place, it packs a punch. Doesn't it, it does. Ben, what did you think when you got there? Was it above your expectations? It really was. I mean, I didn't really have any expectations coming in, but I mean, just after finding out everything that you can do within the whole country, it's so small, but it has so many things to do that it, it just—it's really fun. Phil, you found out it was the size of what? Uh, it's the size of Colorado. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That puts it into context <laughs> for you. Now, Katie, you also both of you spent some time working on a on an organic farm. So you go from this adrenaline rush to this kind of peaceful uh, village life almost. Yeah, we. So we ended up signing up for this uh, volunteer program through Woofing, um, and. The directions on the website were very, very simple. They were, you know, take this local bus 
and have them drop you off on the side of the road. We're basically in the middle of nowhere. And then the instructions say, and hike uphill for an hour and a half. (laughs) We have our big backpacks and we're hiking literally in mud that's up to our knees. So we have boots on and we're hiking and we look at each other. The sun's going down and we're like, are we actually going to make it to this farm, this so-called farm that we don't even know exists? And um, sure enough, we made it. Uh, Yeah, thank goodness, because we were literally in the middle of nowhere. But we spent, um, yeah, a week on this farm um, doing kind of all sorts of different chores around around the, the homestead. And it was a really, really incredible experience. What were they growing? What was the produce? They had they had a whole bunch of different vegetables and and fruits that they were growing, uh, like I think corn, tomatoes, peanuts, just a whole variety of different things. And um, they had different projects on the farm as well. Like I installed a solar shower um, to help out other other volunteers. I like the way you travel. I mean, I'm not a massive adrenaline uh, junkie. I, I like um, being in the water and snorkeling and that sort of thing. But, but anything higher than a table, yeah, and anything, you don't like it. No, I can't do it. But you, you're into the food, you're into authentic experiences and adventures that are off the typical tourist path. But you, you I mean, you're also young and you talk about partying on the beach in, in Ecuador. How do they party in Ecuador? Yeah, well, you know, the... This was the second country we visited after quitting our jobs. And so we were kind of ready to let loose. And Ben Ben is a former engineer. And he was very excited to have some freedom. And we um, had heard all these stories about this beachside town of Montanita. And to be honest, it's mostly travelers there that are partying. Um, and we decided to spend a few days there. To be quite honest, it was not a cultural experience at all. <laughs> it was not the most beautiful beach at all, but um, what this town promises is an epic nightlife. Yeah, and-, and it was a pretty fun nightlife. Like We stayed at this hostel and got to know a lot of other travelers there, played some drinking games, of course, and, uh, <laughs> and then, then we went to the beach, and uh, it's the kind of place where you can just get a, a drink at a, at a street stall and and roam, roam through the streets or roam through the beach, and it was, it was a fun night. So what made you quit your jobs? I mean, obviously we know why you quit your jobs, and we speak to so many people that do it for, you know, a sense of adventure and, and just to really experience life. Um, what were you doing, Katie? And, and Ben, you were a, um, engineer. an engineer. So what made you give it all up? Yeah, so I was um, working in graphic design and advertising, Um, And we actually both really liked our jobs and we had a comfortable life and we had a great apartment, um, great family and friends, but we just kind of realized that we could see ourselves in that same spot in 40, 50 years. And we decided that we wanted just a little bit of a chance to experience something different. Um, And honestly, what was meant to be three months um, in South America ended up kind of snowballing and turning into something that has continued for the past five years. So, yeah, it, it um, was kind of an accidental um, quitting our jobs and kind of staying that way. But, um, yeah. It seems to me that Americans have not really done that very much in the past. They've all been very much career-oriented. And I just get the feeling that more and more Americans are deciding to 
chuck it in for a while and, and go traveling. Yeah, it's, it's tough when you're working at a company and you only have two weeks vacation for the whole entire year. And that was kind of what we saw. And we wanted to have a little bit more time to travel. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess a lot of Americans want to have more freedom and and kind of uh, get out of that type of... Like the everyday, yeah, everyday. routine. But... Um, yeah, and I think just the ability now to work online um, and be able to make money remotely is making it so much easier for people to pick up and and quit their jobs and travel if that's what they want. Or create a new job online. Yeah, well, a graphic designer, Katie, that's easy for you to do for remotely, but it's probably yeah. not very easy to build roads or something. Then. <laughs> I don't think he wants to. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit of a, a learning curve for me just to pick up more website development and and design. And Katie's taught me a lot too. I'm I'm making it I'm making it work. It's pretty good. We've been talking that lifestyle up, but what's the worst thing about it? I mean, do you get homesick? Good question. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of worse things actually. Um, yes, we do get homesick. We have missed out on a lot of events back at home, a lot of weddings or births or um, just everyday kind of things that we feel like we're missing out on. Um, but at the end of the day, it's um, there's nothing that can um, really replace the freedom that we've been able to create. Well, the world is a big backyard. Your um, blog will share in show notes with some great stories, particularly, well, not particularly about Ecuador, because all the stories are all great. All the stories are great. But there are things there about getting down and dirty on the farm. Also, border crossings from Ecuador to Peru, which Katie's not a big fan of. Katie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a not-so-fun border experience. And to be honest, I think land crossings, like when you're crossing through a bus, is never really a fun experience. Um, especially when it's in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes, and especially when the bus is not the most comfortable um, but you know, it's all part of the, all part of the journey. Yeah. Well, you're on a great one. You're in Bali at the moment. We'll let you go and what are you going to do? Hit the beach, hit the, hit the waves. Yeah. You know, we might go for a surf today. It's a beautiful day out today. And, um, yeah, I suppose get out there and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. Well, we'll keep working and uh, make sure we get this <laughs> podcast out for you to listen to. <laughs> great talking to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks guys. So, Phil, what's travel news? Uh, Kim, remember when we covered South Korea a few episodes back, one of our first ones, actually, and we talked to Tim and Sarah on their 20-month honeymoon? Yes, I follow them on Facebook. Fantastic. Well, they and remember, they shared those amazing photos of their visit to the demilitarised zone. Yep. Uh, you know, peering across the border into North Korea and being in that joint security area, you know, that hut where you can, that, that straddles the border. Well, we might soon be able to step across that border. South Korea is negotiating with North Korea and the United Nations and what have you so they can relax the rules there so that visitors, including South Koreans, can take a few steps into North Korea. And that's something they haven't been able to do since 1953. And you were talking literally a few steps. A few steps. So There's that line in the room they're not allowed to cross and you've got the very stern-looking North Korean yes. soldier on the other side. They're actually doing it because recently, you know, the the presidents of the two Koreas, uh, the South Korean president stepped across that line and embraced 
this was all due yep. to the um, the games, the Winter Games, Correct. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you can go and recreate that. Not with the president of North Korea, of no, course. No, but no, <laughs> no. Kim's a bit busy. <laughs> yep, he is. Uh, look, US journalist Christopher Elliott, hope you're listening, Chris, has written a piece on what people steal from airplanes. Cutlery, pillows and blankets and even the life jackets. Oh, no. <laughs> I do blankets. <laughs> okay. Of course, these things are not included in the price of the ticket, oh. which Chris says raises the question as to why people do it. And he blames the, you know, pay extra for everything uh, culture of uh, airlines these days. And he says people are feeling like they've been ripped off uh, and that they're, they're angry and they're owed something. So they take stuff that they're not supposed to take mm. off the airline. A good blanket might take that home. That's kind of what goes through Nick, my head. Nick, anything else? No, no. Not from a – no, just that. There's uh, – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Um, the, the goodie bags that the ones in business class Oh, get. when they leave them on the side, yeah, swipe one yeah, of those as you go through. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, in – Chris Elliott's article, he says there is uh, a man that he spoke to who collects airline sickness bags <laughs> as a kind of a hobby. Not ones that are filled? No, 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 no. Empty ones because they're usually branded, so he collects those. Okay. Have you nicked anything? Uh, well, probably. Okay. Ha- have you sky hide it, mile hide it? No. I sort of have. <laughs> On your own doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Great article, okay, Christopher. Great article. <laughs> a woman was removed from a US domestic flight last week after boarding with her emotional support animal, a squirrel. Oh, you've told us about these before. People I know. Emotional support. Yeah, peacock, pigs defecating, all that sort of <sighs> stuff. Yeah. Well, the airline informed this woman that rodents are not allowed on board, but she refused to give it up. She squirreled it away. <laughs> Sorry. Dad joke. (laughs) And she also refused to get off. So they had to kick other passengers off the plane to make room while security came on and they managed to remove her from the airplane. But what emotional support do you get from a squirrel? (laughs) Well, look, we should be laughing. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd like to play devil's advocate, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) All right, finally, Kim, have a listen to this. get any of that not one thing <laughs> not one thing who, oh, who look, captured that the indecipherable boarding announcement all right it's quintessentially airport right you know you're an airport i like yeah. those i had no idea what they're saying but they make me feel like i want to travel somewhere yeah you know, yeah. You know you're at an airport when you hear that well there's this global sort of trend at airports for them to go silent they don't make those announcements anymore. Sydney's just joined it, Dubai, Singapore, there's a bunch of other airports. What, so they don't say flight VA whatever is leaving now from Gate 5? That's right. They, you rely on you going up and looking at the departure board and making sure that you see the little boarding now light flashing. Phil Sylvester, Kim Napier, your plane is now boarding. <laughs> None because, of that. <laughs> because there weren't any announcements to tell you to stop drinking in the lounge and go get on your plane. So you have to keep an eye on it yourself. Hey, thanks for that. That's all right. That's my travel news. Jubel is one of our partners, Bill, for our Unexpected Stories campaign. Now, separate to that, do you want to just tease us about this couple that you've found that we're going to chat to in a future episode? Oh, I know. There's another partner as well from Practical Wonderlust, and uh, Leah Garcia called us, and she has... <laughs> 
<laughs> had this litany of horrors happen to them while they were on their honeymoon. They did a year-long honeymoon. They've ended up making, you know, two insurance claims with us, but they've, you know, crashed a car into a French castle, <laughs> had to be rescued from a waterfall. I mean, it's like the worst honeymoon Ever. Well, that's coming up in a future episode, but we are talking about our Unexpected Stories campaign, which is happening now. Now, people are asked to read one story from each of our five-story categories and then vote on the favourite one to win a mystery trip for two to a surprise destination. We'll give you the details a bit later on. Yep. Uh, Jubel is providing the trip and Nico is with us to tell us about the company and why it's such a good fit for this Unexpected Stories campaign. Welcome, Nico. Hello, Nico. Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy to be here. Tell us about Jubel. Why is it a good fit for this campaign, Unexpected Stories? Well, uh, naturally, given the, the title of the campaign, given the fact that we're giving people the, unex, you know, the unexpected and really a story to walk away from, uh, this is really what we've been building for the last two years is a company that executes on the idea of a lot of people know more or less how much they want to spend and what they want, not exactly where to go. So we've, we've started curating trips um, around the world that give people an idea beforehand of, of, you know, the kind of place, the kind of things to expect, but not exactly where they're going to do it. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the thrilling aspect of, of the surprise trip is that you're, you're getting something that's personalized to your preferences and your style, but you're going to go ahead and, and not know where you're going beforehand. And uh, I think Jubal cool. um, is great for that reason, for this campaign. We're very excited for it. Wow, that's a great idea. I know, you know, the old mystery flights. You could buy a ticket on a local airline in Australia for a while that was just a mystery flight. It would take you to, you wouldn't know where you were going. What was a mystery, (laughs) Phil? Yeah, mostly you went to Adelaide, though. (laughs) But but you, Nico, you do it all around the world, don't you? Yeah, that's right. So we we, we do uh, multi-destination all over the world. We've sent people to, to all major continents and... And we really have no, no geographical boundaries to, to where people can go. All right. So what sort of – okay, give us a scenario. Somebody says uh, – well, what sort of things do they say when, when they, you know, want to say, oh, book me a trip? So I'll give you – I'll give you – that's right. I'll give you a breakdown. So yeah. we, we start with a travel survey. So essentially the survey is a chance for you to tell us more about yourself and what it is you want to do on the trip. And that includes um, the simple things, you know, of course, the departure airport, how much you're more or less looking to spend, some dates, they could be flexible. But then you get into the fun stuff, which is your travel styles. So we've kind of narrowed it down to five travel styles that most people tend to divvy up their, their priorities to, which is active nature, so activities that are that are in nature, that are, that are more adventurous. Then there's chilled nature, which is more, you know, being surrounded by by beautiful nature or just relaxing in it, but not necessarily having to, to get, you know, active or immersed in it. And then there's culture, oceanists, and nightlife, which is also called party purist. And once you make these selections, we have a better idea of what, how you want to prioritize your time. There's also the level of infrastructure that you're comfortable with, um, the range of accommodations you want to stay in, and pretty much you go selecting what kind of person you are in terms of how you like to travel, fast-paced, slow-paced, balanced, and all the, you know, arriving all the way to the end where we say, um, you know, tell us if there's a specific destination you want to go to. Um, and any places to avoid, meaning, you know, maybe you've already been there or you just don't want to go there for, for whatever reason. And then, of course, we have the level of surprise you want to you wanna experience. So you can decide to know everything, you know, all the destinations. Or you can say, I only want to know which country I'm going to, but not which destinations within. Or you can just leave everything blank and then you're really in for the full 
mystery vacation. That's my. I'm picking that Isn't one. Isn't that great? My. I have a fantasy. Not a fan. I'll rephrase that. My. <laughs> my husband and I have this great desire to turn up at the airport just with a backpack and spin like the alphabet. Yeah, and, I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and for example, if V came up, let's pick a place starting with V and let's just go and buy a ticket and fly can, there. Can I advise against going to Venezuela, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> well, therein lies a problem, Nico. You know, like, I mean, you know, do you ever have anybody who's gone for the full surprise and they've got there and gone, nah, don't like it? Yeah, so naturally that's everyone's concern, right? And uh, this is kind of a... The crazy part, and this is why we're still, you know, why Jubal is still something that we're we're growing and very excited about, and and, and getting more, you know, more and more travels for, is that uh, that we haven't really had any bad experiences. There's only been one um, that it was a learning experience that this person asked for a multi destination trip, and she gave us a budget that was, you know, you could only work with so much, and it was only, only enough for one country, and we ended up sending her on a multi destination trip within Iceland, but she was expecting to go to another country as well. And, you know, that was kind of a, a miscommunication. We, we realized there we could maybe make it a bit more clear on the survey what it is to to expect. And, you know, of course, her budget was extremely low, so we thought it was pretty <laughs> obvious that she wasn't going to go from Iceland to, to Portugal, you know, and then keep going and then just start getting all around in Western Europe, for example. But, um, yeah, so, you know, up until now, it's really been people that, that sign up for it and know what they're getting into, and we make that pretty clear on the website. You know, we really do. Uh, we have blog posts on who uh, surprise travel is good for, why it's good for you in general, why it's uh, uh, healthy to not be Googling away your experience before you go on it and potentially ruining it and uh, and leaving some element of surprise there. And, uh, yeah, so luckily we haven't had any nightmare scenario where somebody's like, well, this is definitely not what I wanted. And that's, that's kind of why we, we're very meticulous about our, our survey and our, and our customer experience being being yeah. oh, look, it's just such an exciting concept for a business. I love it. Actually, I'm interested. How did you come up with it? Were you all sitting around a dinner table saying, hey, i got an idea? <laughs> so uh, it's funny. This is actually um, three years ago. My, my co-founder and I, we were talking about how there's so many cool GoPro and drone videos that were kind of becoming more and more mainstream, right? Yeah. Now you have all this amazing footage of people going on amazing trips. And you have this little tiny camera like a GoPro where you can get this amazing footage. And you have all these amazing influencers just going on these trips and sharing it. And there's the rise of YouTube and Instagram. And, and you're saying, okay, you know, you're sitting in the office. And you're saying, this looks like so much fun. How can I just go on one of these trips? And, you know, it's you, you want to have an easy, easier, more seamless solution to getting there than just saying, okay, wait. So let me make, let me start a WhatsApp group. Let me ask my friends. What do you want to do? Or, or you know, your, your significant other, for example. Like, do you want to go skiing? Do we want to go to the jungle? Do we want to go into the desert somewhere what kind of adventure do we want what kind of activities do we want to do and it's really hard because you're like well this all sounds great so if only there were a company that could facilitate helping you decide what you want to do based on your budget and maximizing for your budget without having to pay like the high price tags that a luxury travel agent offers or conversely on the other side of the spectrum is without having to do all the research that is required with doing yourself Phil just leaves it up to his wife. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same effect. It's always a surprise it's to me. It's always a surprise. Well, we do love, as we said, our unexpected travel stories or even encounters with wild animals like Cam earlier and the rabbit dog. Yeah. So if you have one, email podcast at worldnomads.com. The comp, by the way, is open to residents of the US and Canada, with the exception, Phil, of Puerto Rico and Quebec, and it'll close around November 15. Mm, yeah, maybe a bit later after that. Yeah, moment, so. maybe a little bit later. So to end to go to the landing page to read the stories and vote. You can get to it through ad links and through the World Nomad site forward slash campaigns. Thank you so much, Nico. 
Yeah, no, thank you guys. Exciting to see how this campaign goes and and check out Jubal, guys. Sure will, Nico. Sounds like heaps of fun. Links in show notes. All right, it's time to wrap up with your quiz question or the answer to it at least. All right, what's special about the name of the country, Ecuador? It's the only country in the world named after a geographical thing. The, the equator. Ah. It's um, the Spanish, when they first landed there, called it El Ecuador, the equator. And and because it straddles the equator. Okay, so it's the only country. The only country that's named after a geographical feature. Well, I don't care how it was named after this podcast. It is on my list. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. You can subscribe to the World Nomads podcast via iTunes or download the Google Podcast app. Catch us in the air on Virgin International Flight in-flight entertainment. That's domestic as well. And Richard Branson, if you're listening, we'd love to chat with you. <laughs> Please. Next week, Phil, what have we got? Uh, we've got a an amazing nomad next week, Clive Neeson. He's one of the pioneers of adventure travel. Amazing life. Yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.